Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. What is up, Believers, and what is up, Bear Down Nation? I am Cameron Lee. And I am Joey Christopoulos, and today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The wait is finally over. We are deep in it now. Football is back. Now, you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline.ag. Bears are two-and-a-half-point underdogs. Slap in the face at home. Get in on it, especially that live betting app. With game spreads, totals, team player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And remember, there's always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag. And sign up today at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Cameron, Bears versus Colts week four. That's right. It's going to be a big matchup, but this is a big matchup for both teams. We get the opportunity to see who's for real and who's not. And I think that these are two teams that have records that so far would say that these are pretty serious teams, but there's a lot of doubters for both sides. So, you know, we'll see if the Chicago Bears can pull to 4-0, and and they will, I would say, shock a lot of people if they're able to pull that off. Bears, or the Colts at 3-1 and or 2-2, and either way. I mean, there's this is a big matchup with big implications, and I'm excited to see how this how this thing unfolds. The Colts are two and one. Their combined record of their opponents is one and seven. So they're walking in here, getting the pretender slap on them, just the way the Bears are. And I think this week, it almost feels like the first week of the NFL season, right? This is the time when the Bears show up and just begin to show who they are and what this team's going to look like for the rest of the season. Slap that pretender tag right off of them and come out with a big win but it is going to be a little bit tougher this week it's going to be a competitive battle versus a team with a really talented defense and a veteran quarterback definitely and i think that there's a part of it where you know the without having this whole preseason the bears have had the opportunity to play their three tune-up games and we got to we got to go on the mitchell trubisky experience it was fun while it lasted now we've uh, we've found maybe the quarterback of the future and let's let's uh, see how the bears really look when they stop playing these jv teams and start playing a real opponent and i think that the uh that the indianapolis colts are going to be a real opponent it's a strong defense they've got some playmakers on the offensive side of the ball and i think that the bears uh this is a this is going to be a great first test for them great first test hopefully no 16 point deficits that we have to overcome and like you mentioned it is a new era a new day with bears quarterbacks with nick Foles finally taking over the job this week and you might be thinking me and cameron are going to be giddy talking about an explosive offense running up the scoreboard here we go we're out of the barn and we're loose but stick around because we might not exactly be feeling that way this week doesn't mean that the bears can't win but this colts defense is for real now this colts defense is serious and you know right now they're the number one ranked defense in the league go ahead and try and pick them up in fantasy if you can this is a this is a strong defense a lot of a lot of tough players out there and uh, you know this is—I think this is going to be a tough matchup all across the board. They're just—they've just got tough players all, all sorts of spots on their uh, defensive roster, and this is going to be an offense that is going through some changes. Obviously, switching of the quarterbacks, and it's going to change some things up. They're going to have to deal with the loss of Tariq Cohen, and so I'm—I'm I'm far from you know just going into this game super confident. I, I think that this is going to be one of those things where you have to earn earn every yard and earn every point, and, and it's going to be a dogfight, I think. This is not going to be a shootout like we saw in Atlanta. This is going to be a dogfight to the very end. We're going to get into Cam's keys, his keys to success for a Bears victory in Week 4 in just a second, but we're bringing a new segment onto the show. We're going to call it for right now Cam Spotlight. 
I got to tell you guys, audience members, I'm looking at all 22 for the first time, and I'm having a ball for the first time, really digging in, looking at that film from all the different angles. And this week's spotlight, we're going to be focusing on one part of the field that maybe you don't see in the fast-paced game of football, something that maybe you're not able to keep your eyes on everything. You're just watching the ball the whole time. We're going to focus on one thing this week that we're seeing from the film that you can take away into the next Bears game. This week, we're going to start very simply with Mitch Trubisky's film versus Nick Foles' film. And watching the All-22 tape, I want you to go first, Cameron, but it's it's becoming more and more clear to me why Matt Nagy made that change when he did. Yeah, it, it is more clear after you watch the All-22, after you go back and, and watch plays a little bit more and more. I will say that I was, uh, I was opposed to the change in the moment. Uh, after you go back and sort of review it, I think that there's a stronger case to be made and a stronger justification. And ultimately, you know, the Bears won the game, so it's hard to, to say that they made the wrong decision. But after, you know, watching the film, you get to see in in the some of the decisions, some of the, I don't know if it's lapses or just the, some of the see, things that you wish your, your starting quarterback was seeing, you know, some of those reads that are just so important that uh, it just didn't seem like Mitch ever really saw. And those are things that we may not have the eye to see in the moment as you're watching a game on on Sunday afternoon on your couch, you know, looking at your phone, watching the game. And so, you know, there's going to be plenty of people out there that say, oh, I saw, I knew, I knew. And I don't think it's really that, it's not so obvious, at least to me, because the thing that I always take away from this is that Mitch created a more well-rounded offense. And so now that we go back, we watch that, we, we break down a little bit of the film, there's the, some of the holes, some of the lapses, some of the things that you wish that he saw and reads that he made, they appear to be more glaring. Is that what you saw too, Joey? Hold my hand. It's my first time. So taking a look at it, it confirms that Mitch Trubisky really didn't play that poorly. Yes, he had the glaring interception, forced the ball to A-Rob at times, was inaccurate in other moments but mostly was completing passes and, you know, moving the chains and doing well. But here's what I took away from it, and it, it's a philosophical question for Matt Nagy. If you're going to have Mitch Trubisky in the pocket, out of the pocket, yes, he's dangerous, but inside the pocket, you're only going to score 20 points a game. That's your ceiling. Because what I was seeing was these moments where it's so premeditated for him and his confidence, as you've mentioned over and over and over again on this pod, is at a point right now where he's just two-step and throw. He is not even looking at second-level progressions, and it happened multiple times where if he literally just hangs in there, and he's getting good pockets. The offensive line is giving him a good pocket to throw in. If he hangs in there for literally 0 .4, 0 .5 more seconds, there are people springing open all over the field, 20, 25 yards down the field. But instead, he's bailing because his eyes are only going 8 to 10 yards right now, and he's getting, I got to complete a pass. High percentage throw, high percentage throw. And he was doing that. But when they got, by, got down by 16, Nagy's doing the calculation. Are we going to come back playing that way? And Trubisky, when he did take his shots, they were premeditated. Some of them were in inaccurate. Some of them were actually fairly on the money. I was actually surprised a couple more of those incompletions were actually better throws than I thought that they would be. But again, down by 16 points, the way that it was going, the way that he had the confidence and rhythm in the offense to not let those progressions take shape, Matt Nagy's got to be scratching his head and like, we just got six yards and it just drew up a play for 25. 
Yeah, that's that's got to be the frustrating part of it. It's not that he's a it's not that he's a terrible quarterback. It's not. It's not that he can't make throws. It's that he doesn't seem to have the confidence and the ability and the competence really to make the downfield throw. It's really as simple as that. And we saw that the moment that that Foles came into the game, they immediately start to take more shots down the field. Obviously, with the circumstances and the situation and the score, obviously that has to be uh, th- your approach. You know, when you're down 16, obviously. But you know, you you said it. There, there were throws that, that Mitch makes that he makes well. And, and that short to intermediate passing game, he's very competent at when he gets outside of the pocket, when he's on the run. He does that part of the game well. But this offense, in order to achieve its highest level, its highest productivity, needs to have that ability to make those downfield throws. And when you're playing behind in games, which, uh, you know, this Bears offense, which is not the most you know not the most firepower whether that's to the uh you know to the i guess the the blame of the quarterback they're going to have to make downfield throws at some point and that's the big thing that you see uh immediately when you watch that all 22 just nick Foles' confidence and his ability to read down the field and, and see you know the see the holes and see the openings in the defenses and and just hit hitting the ball right place right time and i don't think that he played a flawless game by any means but it is that competence with the downfield accuracy and and overall just that confidence and willingness to throw and make big time plays and not settle for you know 6 yards when you needed 10 and i'm going to paraphrase what you've already said previously on the pod it's like trubisky is making the right throw wrong read He's completing the pass, and we've mentioned this before. Third and eight, he's throwing for only five yards, completing the pass, but we're short of the sticks. There's just opportunities that we're missing within the offense, and clearly those were able to come to fruition. Now, to be very fair, help me out on this one. Maybe I'm wrong. When you're down by 16, my guess is the breaks in the routes are probably going to extend three or four yards a little bit deeper than they probably would have in the first half, which was what I was kind of noticing where Foles is still kind of making still those quick read throws, but they're about three or four yards deeper because we had to make up more ground. And outside of a few, like truly Nick Foles special throws, you know, the Ted Ginn 29 yarder, I'm still watching that thing is just a missile, just unbelievable. The Anthony Miller play, which we've seen a thousand times is a great play as well, but this is just stuff that's missing from Mitch Trubisky. And I just think, offensively it is just limiting that is the word that i think of it is limitations you know when patrick mahomes was drafted we thought brett Favre. deshaun watson got drafted we thought oh wow you know he's like a donovan McNabb meets like a russell wilson you know he he can he's skinny but he can move you know all this other stuff and we saw mitch trubisky my hope was he could be tony romo and tony romo's second level progressions hanging in the pocket and then rolling out he became so good at that we're not seeing it and right now Mitch Trubisky's ceiling in this offense just isn't cutting it, and I think that's why they went to Foles. You're right when you say limiting. You know that everything that they need to be able to do to win these big games, to win shootouts, is to be able to throw the ball downfield, and they have weapons. They've Allen Robinson has proven to be a downfield threat, and he's proven that he can go out and make ten catches in a game and be be that receiver that they need him to be. And Anthony Miller has stepped up, and Darnell Mooney has stepped up, and Jimmy Graham has stepped up at times, and and so. You know, if they've got the guys to go downfield and make plays, like we mentioned, the Ted Ginn 29-yard catch, they've got guys to go do it, so go out there and do it. I think that a lot of this actually, you know, in the past, they didn't, they were a little unsure who those guys were going to be, and so it kind of played into it a little bit. If Mitch isn't going to have the ability to throw it, and they're not going to have the ability to go get it, that's one thing. But this team seems to have those weapons, and so... Spread out defenses to to attack downfield to to put up big points. They're going to have to have, 
you know, the right guy in place. And, and hopefully Nick can be that guy to, to move this offense in the right direction, throwing the ball down the field. I also noticed, tell me if I'm wrong, the Bears ran this play a lot just against the Falcons where they would run, you know, they would do like a three-wide set. They would run out, try and create some space, make the linebacker choose, and then just sit on the route and turn around. And then it's like a door number one, door number two, door, door number three option. And it just sort of felt like Nick Foles was just feeding Jimmy Graham in those moments when Jimmy Graham looked kind of open on, a, on several different occasions with Mitch Trubisky behind center where he didn't get the football. It just seems like this is a benefit for Jimmy Graham. He's probably a little happy that Nick Foles is his quarterback right now. It's funny how every single every single quarterback and every single receiver they just have their guy. You know, some everyone has their go-to guy, and you could tell Mitch's guy is Allen, and and I'm sure that he will continue to be even with Foles at quarterback. But Foles's guy, when he was in in those tight spots, seemed to be Jimmy Graham. The moment he got on the on the field, it seemed like those tight balls that you're nervous and you got to make a throw. And those sometimes were forced. We're going to Jimmy Graham. He threw a ball into quadruple coverage that somehow miraculously got through there. It reminded me of like all those movies of like people like of spies trying to get through like the sensors, you know, like like after hours in like a museum or something, and they're like going through all the lasers, and it, that ball just snuck through there. It had no business getting through. There. It was a terrible ball. Yeah, when you watch through, it so. in slow mo, when you watch it in slow mo, you watch them all just begin to converge on the ball, and it somehow just goes through it like a video game, like it goes through literally. It like looked like a glitch. Players. It was a glitch. It, it looked like four different Falcons should have picked it off. But re- regardless, you know, he, I think he's going to be a, a major, major, major upside. Um, you know, in terms of 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 touches and, and just being a recipient of, of passes. So if you uh, go out there and pick up Jimmy Graham, if you haven't already in your fantasy league, because I think he's going to see way more, way more balls as well. And at the end of the day, I think Nick Foles gives you maybe what two or four plays like veteran plays where he sniffs out a call, just like he sniffed out the blitz and told Anthony Miller to dig in a little bit early so he can make that catch for the touchdown. That stuff makes a difference, especially in this type of offense where we're still just, we're just trying to be above average. We're just trying to be competent. We don't want to be below average. And those extra couple plays, you saw that again in the second half against the Falcons, that Foles makes those plays. I think Trubisky either has no confidence in himself to try or Nagy does not trust him to make those throws either. Yeah, some guys are just gamers. Some guys have been around long enough and just have that experience and that feel for the moment. And, you know, Nick Foles has obviously been someone who has had success in the moment and has made big plays in big games. Uh, I don't know if you uh, watched the Super Bowl a couple years ago. So he, he's he's someone that, you know, has proven himself on the biggest stage. And you can just kind of see in those moments, sometimes the offense just kind of gets galvanized by that guy's presence and, and their confidence and their ability to, to, you know, come up and be like William Wallace and Braveheart and just – just you know, go out there and, and carry a team to victory, and uh, maybe Nick Foles is that guy. Week four, Bears-Colts. Let's get into it. It's time for Cam's keys. Keys to a victory for the Bears to go to 4-0 against the Indianapolis Colts. They're at home. They're two-and-a-half-point underdogs. What is your first key to victory for the Bears in week four? The first thing that I'm going to say, and I, I, never, I never stray away from this too much, I want to see them keep an offensive mix, and I want to see them keep a healthy mix. Uh, in the past, you know, last year there was a lot more from the gun. The run game I don't think was as effective. And I think that stems a lot from just, you know, the quarter play, quarterback play in general. The point that I'm getting at is that, you know, the Bears are 3-0. and And through those first couple of wins, it was a lot of it was, you know, predicated on their ability to come out and run the ball and run the ball effectively. Now they're going to switch quarterbacks. This quarterback is not 
the dual threat. This quarterback is not is not the guy that has, is elusive and can make big plays and make a 45-yard run when he escapes the pocket. They're probably going to be in the gun more. I just... I know that there's upside to Nick Foles' ability to complete down throw, downfield throws, and that's something I'm excited about. But can they continue to run the ball effectively? Because they have to be able to do both. The other guy couldn't throw the ball downfield, and that's why he's out. But can they still run the ball and have the downfield throw? So that's that's my first key, just to continue to have that healthy mix and finally, finally, finally have the best of both worlds in that category. It's a huge matchup, and we'll just see what the Bears' offense with the week under Nick Foles can put on the board because it could be a rock and a hard place. The Colts, they're allowing only 244 yards as a team on defense. Just for frame of reference, Bears allowing 377 on defense. They have not allowed a quarterback to throw for over 200 yards. So if you think Nick Foles is going to come out with his hair on fire, let's just be real here. The Colts' defense, they're competitive. They're disciplined. This is a smart football team. I think we're playing our first intelligent football team of the season dare i say and so i'm right with you with that mix it's going to blend into my first key it's just called david montgomery it's not even the running game it's just david montgomery we're going to run cordell patterson out there but Tariq cohen's injured i'm looking for more touches from david montgomery and like you said get that mix going because i have a sneaky feeling that this first quarter can be kind of a clunker it might get a little choppy early when we're all gung-ho, Nick Foles era, let's go score in our first drive. I hope I'm wrong, but I could see a couple situations where maybe a couple three and outs, maybe a feel-out process a little bit. You know what alleviates that? David Montgomery, not just in the passing game, but running between those tackles. Again, watching that all 22, the offensive line, pretty solid. I think it's official. It's an official improvement in 2020 as opposed to last year. This is something we got to utilize. I know we got the shiny old toy that we want to play with, but I think that mix is going to be really huge, and Dave Montgomery should be a huge part of that. And, you know, I'm one of these offensive linemen types, so I'm going to tell you every week that you got to come out and establish the run. DeMont has looked very good. Last week was not a super was not a super great game rushing, and, you know, a lot of the numbers are skewed by Mitch's 45-yard run, but ultimately uh, the, the team did not have a tremendous rushing attack, and so – I think that we need to see a, a greater emphasis on getting that part of the game going. Now, obviously, there weren't a whole lot of rushing attempts in the second half. You don't run the ball much when you're down 16. So um, if hopefully they're able to come out, establish that rushing attack. They're going to have to find a way to supplement uh, Tariq's plays in the offense. And, you know, he wasn't getting a ton of carries, but, you know, his presence in the backfield, his presence on the field in general is going to be missed. But I, I think they'll, they will be able to find a way. Uh, and uh, and I think a lot of that's hopefully if I had my if I had my way would would uh, would I guess come out on the field in the form of more David Montgomery carries. I'll tell you after you broke down the whole screen pass thing a couple episodes ago, watching that in slow mo on the all twenty two with Terry Cohen was a thing of beauty. He almost also had an opportunity to cut it upfield for a touchdown, but that's a story for another day. With Dave Montgomery last week, he had what his first ten carries, he only had seven yards still finished with 45 so he was able to get things going later in the game I would really love to see that and look the Colts through three games I believe they have nine sacks six interceptions two safeties already they can get after you you have to get them off of your back as quick as you can especially with a quarterback who's big and tall maybe not as athletic as Mr. Bisky is and I just think that's going to be a huge key heading in there 
you know, take the heat off of Foles. Just let him make those plays. He's not going to be the one that's going to light up the scoreboard. Keep with the team effort and maybe just run the offense a little bit more efficiently with a guy who can accurately connect with passes down the field. Cam, what's your second key to success? You know me, I'm going to stick with my theme of offensive lines. Have you seen, have you gotten to watch the the Colts offensive line yet? Have you really watched them a whole lot? All I know is that I've been obsessed with Quentin Nelson. The first time I ever watched tape on an offensive lineman was watch Quentin Nelson throw people at Notre Dame literally 25 yards with his left hand and his right hand. If you get the chance, go ahead and dig in on a little Colts offensive line film. Look, I'm a homer here. I always try and root for my guys. I've got some very good friends on the Chicago Bears offensive line. But, man, there's some teach tape happening on out over there in Indianapolis. And it all starts with Quentin Nelson. Man, is this is he an impressive uh, left guard. I'm going to go ahead and make the case that a left guard might be one of the five best players in the NFL. And you could, t- you could say whatever you want about it, say how stupid I am, but man, is he impressive. This entire offensive line is really impressive. So what I want to say is we have to neutralize this offensive offensive line the bears have a great defensive line the colts have a great offensive line we want to neutralize this offensive line and slow down this rushing attack this offense is fine they're not they're not stellar uh they've got a pretty good quarterback but you know he's not exactly a spring chicken by any means and this is uh, this is a good rushing attack it's not it's not the best in the league but they're they're a good rushing attack they are banged up at the receiving at the receiver position. So I want to see us neutralize this offensive line, slow down this rushing attack, and make the Colts receivers win big matchups and be the offensive spark plug and the catalyst because I don't know that they can do it. So I think if the Bears want to have a shot at winning this game, slow down that rushing attack and make the receivers uh, be the playmakers for this offense. And Quentin Nelson went one pick before the Bears were able to select that year in the draft. We got Roquan Smith. We like Roquan Smith, but, man, I think Bears fans wanted – Big, tall, huge Quentin Nelson. So, Cameron, let me ask you, former NFL player, what would be your game strategy exactly? So you got Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn. Khalil Mack, I know, for, for example, likes to go wide and then dig in, which kind of sort of maybe will space out these offensive linemen. Do you think, is this a situation where you try and just keep Quentin Nelson busy and let Hicks eat? Do you try and get him into a situation where you can sneak a linebacker past him? You know, he's so big and strong. Do you try and get him to go side to side? You know, how would you try and attack someone of that caliber? Because that caliber is very elite. Yeah, Quentin is a tremendous athlete. He's a very, I mean, he's so instinctual. That's the thing that stands out the most is when you watch him and you watch his film, there are so many plays where he gets to people that it doesn't even make sense. Like, he, he will sometimes block the like op i've seen him block at the left guard position block the right tackles man i mean go ahead and like just try and picture that like it doesn't make any sense so i mean i think the best thing that you can do is to occupy quentin nelson and try and put as much on his plate as possible i would send double teams stunts picks all sorts of things just to try and confuse him keep him occupied and i'm not even convinced that you're going to you know that you're going to throw a hitch in his giddy-up. He, he will probably be fine, but the best way to keep him occupied is to just throw as much junk at him as possible. If it's Akeem Hicks with a, uh, linebackers coming down and blitzing it, you know they might be able to pick it up, but, man, the more that he's got on his plate, the more that he has to worry about, the, the better chance you've got at getting home. And this leads perfectly right into my second key of the game because, in my personal opinion, I respect the Colts' offensive line. I think Jonathan Taylor is talented. You know, we usually are like, got to get home, pass rush. 
I have my expectations tempered just a little bit. I would love to get home a couple of times. I think that would be great. But Philip Rivers, at his age, is getting the ball out quick. They're going to try and run some play action if they're going to take their shots downfield. But otherwise, it's going to be hard to get a hat on him. So my next key is just called interceptions. And that goes for both sides of the football. Now, Philip Rivers, for the audiences that don't know me very well, if you want to know me about my relationship with Philip Rivers, check out our YouTube channel, my YouTube channel, Tutty Guys. Uh, a, a famous character that I used to play because the dude, he throws them picks. He can be intercepted upon. His arm is not exactly the same as it used to be. The receivers are banged up. I like Mo Cox. I like, you know, T.Y. Hilton. He could burn us down the field. I get it, but there's only so many places that he can go. So I'm looking at interceptions here. Can we get Phillip Rivers off of his spot? Can we just bring the heat just enough where maybe we're not taking him down to the ground, but we're forcing him to do stuff that he doesn't want to do. And maybe we can pick off some passes because – this game is ripe for Phillip Rivers to throw two or three picks, one of those picks being hopefully in the fourth quarter because that's what Phillip Rivers loves to do. On the other side of the football, Nick Foles, a lot of great stuff. A couple, He escaped a couple of throws last week. Let's just be honest. He's got to stay out of the turnover situation. I think we need to play a clean game. Not to reiterate, but I think the Colts are a smart, disciplined team. Frank Reich and Matt Nagy, they, they used to work together in Philadelphia. They know the playbook pretty well in and out they're going to try and trick each other i think at times you know like you said everything you said about philip rivers he's been known to to throw a pick or two and i think the bears the bears have the secondary to win these matchups and when they get the opportunity to go out there make a big play and put the ball back at the hands of this offense they absolutely need to do it when they get the chance to make big plays and put points on the board anytime that the bears defense can score that's that is just a huge upside for a mid-level offense if, if the defense can give points to a mid-level offense that's how they're going to win games and uh and philip rivers is definitely the type of quarterback that'll give you the opportunity to to do that a couple times and it'd be nice to score points the easy way right and so i'm going to hit my third key because i want your key to go your third key to go last my final key for the game is guess what it's back field goals oh yeah that's right field goals you know, what happened last week, we came from behind and won, but let's be honest, 26 to 23, we missed a 46-yard field goal earlier in the game, came back to bite us. We were at home. I think this is a low-scoring game. I think there could be interceptions in, in this game with short fields, a little bit, you know, nip and tuck defensively on both sides of the ball. These field goals are going to come up so huge. You just got to hit them when you can. I don't think we trust him outside of 46 yards. I'm at peace with that, but We've got to hit our field goals. It just has to happen. That's my third key for the game. Yeah, man. Way to go out there and pick a real fun one. Real exciting. <laughs> go ahead and kick your field goals. Okay. You want to hear something fun? All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do I'm going to do an old Bears narrative right now, but it's going to be in the hot take oven. It's dead. This narrative's been dead for a little while, about a year and a half now, but I'm going to dust it off, and I'm going to dust it off old school, put on some Kings of Leon, because we're going back to like 2006, 2007. The 49ers, the San Francisco 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo's hurt. He's probably going to come back. We'll see what happens. They are banged up across the board. Mostert's out. Debo Samuel can't get on the field. Kittle's been hurt. He's trying to come back. Bosa's out for the year. Let's just say the 49ers go in the tank. Pick up the phone and do six-round pick, compensation, deep in the playoffs, fifth-round pick, Robbie Gold, let's get him back here. I'm not saying this is happening next week, but I'm getting ahead of it right now because you're in the hot take oven with me. Week six, week seven, if this doesn't work out, let's just pull the trigger, see where the 49ers are at, and pounce. 
Yeah, nothing like your typical mid-season trade away of a draft pick for a forty-year forty-year-old kicker. That's yeah. Is it a meatball? Is it a meatball pick? <laughs> it feels like it might be somewhat of a meatball pick. I don't oh, know. Man, those meatballs in the oven. Look, it's just it's at the point now where we can't keep thinking about it all week long. We talk so much about the offense and who should be throwing the passes in the offense and the offensive line, but if we're not just kicking these gimme field goals, the 46 yarders, which is an NFL kick now that we have to make, we do not have the margin for error to survive those missed kicks. We just don't. It's been like that for a couple of years. It just keeps happening over and over again. How long are we going to wait till it bites us in the ass? One week, two weeks, this week? Hey, man, I was on the team with Connor Barth. I saw I saw Barth. Games, oh, no. <laughs> I saw games slip through the Bears' fingertips at, on the field week after week after week after week. You know, I think, uh, and this is no disrespect to the man because I couldn't make the kicks either, but I feel like when you go from that was a five-win team that, no, we probably could have won eight or nine games. It, it felt like there were so many games that came down to just kicks. I get it. I'm all for it. Go out there, spend the money on the kicker. Who who cares about paying quarterbacks? Who cares about extending Allen Robinson? Let's go find us a kicker. Bring him home. I'm getting desperate, Cameron. I don't want to keep bringing this up as a key every single week, but it keeps you know, rearing its ugly head. And eventually we are going to be playing solid football. And eventually we are going to have a lead late in the game. We're going to have to kick a, a field goal to go up three points. It could happen this week. And that's another key to my game. we got to make our field goals. Cameron, what's your third key to the Bears' victory in week four? You know, the Bears went out and they they decided to that it was time to move on, put Nick Foles in the starting quarterback position. And you do that for a reason. And that reason is to hit on those downfield throws to make those big plays when those plays and opportunities present themselves you know they felt like that it was something that needed to be done to see this offense reach its fullest potential and you made the point earlier that the Colts are going to play strong defense that this isn't going to be a shootout that there may only be so many opportunities for those downfield throws but I think that there's going those are going to pop up three four maybe five times in this game and I want to see them go and complete and make those big plays. That's why Nick Foles is there. Nick Foles is in that position to hit home runs when the Bears get the opportunity to do so. And against a team like this, against a secondary like this, those opportunities are going to be few and far between. But when they come up, that's why you get Nick Foles. That's why he's in the position. That's why they brought him in and he threw that touchdown turn interception uh, to Allen Robinson against the Falcons. That was an unbelievable throw, an unbelievable play, and ultimately it ended up being an interception. But that is why he's in that position because they didn't think that Mitch Trubisky could make those plays. This is going to be a tight game, and it's going to come down to who can make that big play. Nick Foles is there to make that big play. So, so that's my big key is when those opportunities present themselves, Nick Foles has to step up and make that throw. And as mentioned on the previous episode with Jake Arthur, who hosts the Believe in Colts on the Believe Podcast Network, his biggest fear is that the Colts basically run, they take away the deep pass and mostly run a, run a lot of zone coverages and hope their pass rush gets home. His biggest fear is Nick Foles picking apart that zone, being that pro quarterback and finding those little, you know, those little bubbles of open pockets and then really taking those deep shots. And he's got that arm that can be accurate down the field. And that's the biggest fear on the Colts' side of the ball is stopping that. So I'm right there with you. Final stat line for Foles, we haven't done it yet. What do you think he throws for, touchdowns and interceptions? What are you thinking? I'm thinking we'll see. You know, this is a strong defense. I, I don't think that we're going to see that shootout, like we said. I'm going to see Foles get to 250 passing yards. 
I think we're going to see two touchdowns, no interceptions. Keep it clean. Just looking at the numbers, you got to think someone's going to throw for 200 yards at some point against this Colts defense. I'm right there with you, but I'm going a little bit under. I'm going 212, two touchdowns, one interception. I'm just thinking Dave Montgomery has one of those 150 all-purpose days. Maybe one of those touchdowns from Nick Foles is actually the recipient is David Montgomery. And I'm just thinking maybe a little bit lower total. I, I, I like us to win the game, but I think people that are expecting our offense to now be unleashed and untethered and explosive, I think that's going to, at the very least, take some time if we see that at all this season. So hard for offenses to just come in and gel. And that was one of the, the key points that I was trying to hit home. And I've been trying to hit home about bouncing back and forth between quarterbacks and trying to establish a rhythm and trying to establish continuity and success. You know, they always talk about the thing that made Tom Brady so good in New England was that he always knew where everyone was. He could just trust that that Julian Edelman would be open at this place and at this time. And he had that same, you know, he had that same chemistry with Gronk and all these receivers and, and it, you don't, that doesn't just happen in one week. You know, you don't just have a pretty good fourth quarter against the Falcons and then have one week of practice and all of a sudden, boom. So I don't, I think it's completely unrealistic to think that this offense is just completely unleashed and unlocked and, and all of a sudden they're the best passing offense in the league and, that they're going to go out there and beat one of one of the best defenses in the league in the Colts. So I would say temper your expectations. I think this team could have success, but this is not going to be a, a team that comes out and has 300-plus passing yards every week now. I would also say to Bears fans, keep an eye on Anthony Miller in this game. We bring him up very often on the pod, but week one had a game-winning touchdown. Week two, no catches last week. You know, came alive when Nick Foles came on the field, has another game-winning touchdown. Let's see now with a new quarterback whether he can get a little consistency going because we played the game last week. If it isn't going to be A-Rob, who's it going to be? And it was the host of characters that we were choosing from. I would really like it to be Anthony Miller moving forward. And if he can connect with Nick Foles and build something and build a rhythm with him and a familiarity, I think that would be a dynamic that we are probably would be a little bit unexpected right now that could really also help us down, down the road. Yeah, the Bears have been looking for that number two guy, the guy that they can pair next to Allen Robinson and, and just trust that he's going to be there and be consistent. And when that moment comes, that he's going to be, you know, the right place at the right time, making that making that big catch. And it was never something that we found in the Trubisky era. And and hopefully that guy can be Anthony Miller because, you know, who knows what what's going to happen and if he's going to have to be, you know, not the number one, but the number two or the number two, but the number one in the future. So, yeah, in, any ability to step up and and give the new quarterback some continuity and some competence. I mean, I think that's just going to go a really long way. It's time, Cameron. Final score predictions. The two of us walk into week four, three and oh on our picks. Pretty nice. Feels pretty good. Cameron, final score, Bears versus Colts, week four. What do you got? This is the first one that I've really, really, really struggled you with. Know, yeah, I beat myself up over this. I, I don't want to be the guy that that uh, that breaks the mojo, but I, I think that I think that this is going to be the, the week that maybe we come back to reality a little bit. I, I've got the Colts twenty three to twenty one. Colts win twenty three twenty one. Very fair. Very fair. Look, I started the week. Started thinking about my prediction. I was at like 34 to 10 for like two days. And then I started doing homework. Why? Wait, why? Because the shackles were off and now we get four quarters of second level pass, vertical passing game. 
and the Bears were going to – I mean, personally, I just – I can't stand Phillip Rivers. I think the Bears should – their defense my, – my Bears fan heart says that we should absolutely knock him on his butt this week. But, look, I started doing the homework a little bit, and it's come down drastically. Bears 17, Colts 13. Wait, can, okay. I, I'm okay with that. But can I just – can I just pause and, and say something to Bears fans real quick? Real quick. Like, I – you know, I, I have been a, a Trubisky supporter thus far, and I'm not a, a Nick Foles hater, but did anyone watch some Jacksonville Jaguars games last year? I mean, He's good. I, I, I saw the Super Bowl a few years ago. I saw his play in Philadelphia, and I'm not knocking him, but let's temper our expectations here. This this is, this is guy lost the job to Gardner Minshew, okay? so And that's not a knock on Gardner Minshew, but just – I mean, come on. This we're not. This isn't Russell Wilson or, or you know, Aaron Rodgers or, I don't know, Lamar Jackson. This this is Dick Foles. We'll see. Like we'll see, but prove it. Prove it. You know. I'm with you. I'm with you. And look, just counterpunch on Jaguars last year. Broke a, broke his collarbone in the first game. Came back. Probably didn't think that the team would stink as bad as they were. Last three or four games, didn't really play that great. Let's go back to the dude that we were already trying to figure out whether we like him or not. I agree he did not play well, but a little bit of a circumstance situation. Got Wally pipped by Gardner Minshew, which is one of the weirdest things I've ever said before in my life. And look, I'm right there with you. I don't think that he's going to become 27 touchdowns, two interception Nick Foles of the Eagles of whatever that was six or seven years ago. I was just hoping that the Colts defense – They've got these great gaudy numbers right now, but they haven't really played anybody yet. We're at the point now where our offense should be beginning to turn a corner and becoming the offense that I hope that we're going to see for the rest of the season. I had first thought that, you know, we're going to kind of blow the doors off of them. Phillip Rivers was going to have to go throw the ball eight yards a little bit further down the field than he would want to. We'd pick a couple of passes off and we'd walk home. But honestly, the more that I look at it, I'm respecting this Colts team more. Not exactly sure. I'm expecting some bumps in the road with a new quarterback against a Colts team that I do think is talented with DeForest Buckner on it. And I think it could be a really low-scoring game. I think field goals are going to play a big part in this game. Turnovers will play a part in this game, and I think the Bears can sneak it out. But it's going to be another nail-biter, man. Uh, It will for sure be a nail-biter. The thing is, when it comes down to these these tight games, these nail-biters, oftentimes... I think it's just a matter of, of the team that has maybe a bit more proven of a system and uh, a proven and a track record. And I don't know, I just I just buy Frank Reich. I buy what that, that team is. And, and you know, Phillip Rivers is maybe never – maybe he doesn't have the, the Super Bowl that I guess Nick Foles does, but there's just something about them. I, I feel like if this game gets too close, the advantage, the advantage will swing to the Colts. And so I hate that, but that's kind of where I'm at on it. Dude, look, at some point, we are going to be picking against the Bears, man. We are not. Are we allowed to do that on this podcast? We I should, we, maybe we should have no. set some ground rules. We're not going to be total homers, man. It's just this this first schedule. And last week, honestly, I just rode with the winning streak, to be honest with you. I could have easily picked the Falcons to go either way. I, I almost said the Falcons might have blown the Bears out. And guess what? They almost did. And they very easily could have. There will be a time when we pick some losses. But I just think this week, I think we can get to 4-0. I do think that we can play well enough and our defense can play well enough to bottle up Phillip Rivers with a banged up receiving core. And I think we can walk out with a victory. Man, I hope that if I'm wrong and the Bears do win this game, that uh, you guys still listen and take me seriously 
and don't write me off as a Bears guy, you know, because everyone makes mistakes. We are looking at a short week, too, as well, ladies and gentlemen, for all of you listeners out there. We got Bears Bucks next Thursday. Foles and Brady, get ready for the old tape to be rolled around. It's nice to be rolled back into the fabric of Super Bowl lore. It's kind of nice to be even mentioned in that sentence again as Bears fans. Bears versus Colts week four. We're going to see what happens. It should be a very interesting, very competitive game. Hopefully the Bears come out on top. But until then, Cameron, take us home on another great episode. You've been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe, like, share it out, and uh, always remember to bear down. You have been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.